Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland on News Talk. Now, I'm delighted to be welcomed uh, to have a look at, I suppose, the year past briefly, but more importantly, to focus on what is the year 2023. Uh, economist Moore McDool, you're very welcome to the programme. It's a pleasure to be there. Now, Moore, if we look back briefly, I suppose, uh, we could say that uh, 2022 was, you know, a year of energy cost increases, cost of living, uh, housing crisis, but above all, the tragedy at a human level that, that was the Ukraine, but it also contributed to so much, I suppose, economic suffering as well. It, it does. <clears throat> it's, um, it, and it's not over yet. It is an appalling position, appalling situation in Ukraine. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it has repercussions for the rest of the world. I mean, it, we're sitting here freezing because energy prices have risen. But in other parts of the world, there are children who are not who are starving because um, the the war has interrupted uh, the provision of grain and wheat and uh, wheat and the, and the like to Africa. It is something which has had huge impact on the world. Yeah. It's also something which, uh, it's a sort of second side of a double whammy to the global economy because it was just picking itself up, dusting itself down after the COVID uh, impact in, 19, in 2020, 2021. And now you have a very serious uh, further interruption of trade, interruption of uh, supply of vital uh, inputs, and in particular of energy, which is imparting huge problems right across the globe. Yeah. So and, it's a bad year. Yeah, and I, I totally agree with you. But one of the, I suppose, perplexing things is that in contrast to all that darkness and, and, and indeed tragedy, as you mentioned, Ireland appears to have had a bumper tax year again. And, you know, we seem somewhat mystified by, you know, the, the gift that keeps on giving, that is uh, corporation tax. It, it is. It's not only just that the, that the government uh, has uh, received lots of very welcome tax revenues from the corporate sector. It's also a fact that the economy has done much better than other economies in Europe in general. Part of this is, to, is due to uh, the, the fact that we have a very big international sector in the economy dealing with uh, high-tech, uh, ICT uh, and pharma. But the, the reality is that that doesn't explain the whole thing. The economy as a whole has done reasonably well by European standards. Yeah. In the domestic economy, that firms that produce here, whether it's for export or for the domestic market, they've had they haven't had a great year, but they've had a much better year, for example, than across the water in Britain. And by European standards, we're still close to the top of the league in terms of overall economic performance. And it's that, whether it's in the the foreign direct investment sector or the domestic economy. That is what's produced the inflow of corporate 
profits tax to the government. Well, it's not, not just corporate profit tax. Fat receipts are up from consumption, and income tax is up. Yeah. So you, what you have is an economy that, <clears throat> that has bounced back really quite significantly from the COVID impact, despite being hit very, very seriously by the rise in energy prices since the spring. And one thing I wanted to just check with you more is that the government appears to me to have done a reasonably good job about uh, supporting businesses through COVID-19. I think there's real evidence that many businesses, uh, when we look at the various initiatives around wage subsidies, etc., wouldn't have survived without them. They're about to taper off now in March. Uh, in fact, uh, taper right down. Do you think that there might be any... I suppose, uh, you know, glut of insolvencies or anything as a result that the tap is finally being switched off on some of the supports? The answer to that has to be yes. There will be some. Uh, the supports to, the produ- to production in the economy were not dis- sufficiently discriminating. In other words, firms which really didn't have much long-term future anyway were being supported just as much as firms which really had a good long-term future. And when the inevitably the, the tap, as you put it, is turned off, the answer is that re- redundancies in some firms, which would have happened anyway but have been um, postponed, will now appear. So, yes, that will happen. Yeah. How, big, how big it is is another, another matter. I mean, in general, productivity in Ireland has grown. Uh, our exports have grown, and that's, that's not just from, from the big international companies. It's also from small and medium enterprises. So looking at, looking at a, the overall picture, the fact that when the supports are removed, firms that, that would have probably should have closed and would have closed anyway if, if nothing had happened, uh, they, they now close. That shouldn't be seen as a crisis. It shouldn't be seen as something which uh, indicates that the, the, that the economy or the country is in trouble. Yeah. So, so another way of putting it, of course, is that what, what, what would the alternative be to continue uh, pumping money in to keep firms going that really didn't have any future yeah. in order to avoid redundancies. Well, at the moment, for example, we know that there is a, a bit of a, uh, a, a contraction in employment in the high-tech and uh, digital sector. But nobody seriously thinks that that's going to cause long-term unemployment for, for the people involved. They some firms will contract, other firms will expand, and what that means is that you, you, you don't, in order for the economy to, to grow, you have to allow for the possibility that people will lose their jobs and then be re-employed elsewhere. Yeah. And if, if all you focus on is the fact that, gosh, jobs have gone, without focusing on the fact that the people involved can and do find employment elsewhere, you're missing the point. Yeah, That's part and parcel of, an, of an, an economy that responds to 
changes in technology to changes in demand for goods and services. In other words, an economy which is likely to grow. And they're generally uh, individuals <coughs> with uh, a high education uh, and high technical qualifications, which probably put, yeah, puts them, serves them well in terms of being does, able to transfer to something else. Yeah, yeah. absolutely, yeah. Can, finally, I wanted to ask you more about the world economy. Do, do, you, do you think that it's changed permanently since COVID? And uh, like even things like consumer spending, do we, are we behaving differently today than we were three years ago? I think one way of looking at this is to say that the COVID uh, episode and now the Ukraine episode, for want of a better word, have focused our attention on a huge change which has been taking place over a long period of time, over 25 years really. And that is, we call it globalization and integration. And what's been happening is that the public become aware of this when they hear, oh, there are supply chain problems. That's only one facet of it. We've actually the economies of the world are interconnected and therefore what happens in Uzbekistan or somewhere like that starts to have impacts in Ireland and vice versa. So integration of the world economy is growing or yeah. has grown. The other thing is that in pursuit of economic efficiency, for example, I'll give you an example, just in time, supply of of goods for further production, like in the motor industry, the parts arrive just in time. Yeah. Firms don't hold big stocks. The implication of that is they do that happens because it's more efficient. But one of the difficulties of that is you're hugely dependent on the supply chain. Yeah. So the, the supply chain itself has to become more efficient in order to deal with all this. And it, in, a, in a very nice thing, which in sort of throwaway line in a piece that the uh, Economic and Social Research Institute published in the last couple of days, the pursuit of efficiency has been achieved and the benefits have been achieved at the cost of resilience. In other words, this highly efficient uh, globalized economy tends to work very, very well if there are no shocks. Yeah. But its ability to respond to shocks, COVID, Ukraine, is weakened. For example, in the just-in-time inventory thing, if you're producing cars in Sunderland, uh, in England, and the bits come in every day to the factory, and you don't hold big stocks of them because that's costly, then... When something happens out there and the uh, parts do not arrive, the assembly of the cars has to stop. Yeah. Now, 25, 30 years ago, there was because there was the just-in-time thing hadn't taken off, firms would be holding stocks. Yeah, and I think they're going but to they go back to do that. So now, they, in, in effect, what <clears throat> they've done, they've exposed themselves to the risk of an interruption in order to get the benefits of just-in-time inventories. Now, there, there, it's much more than just inventories. It's, it's a whole thing to do with the degree to which uh, people depend on other people doing things yeah. and being exposed to 
the the consequences of a failure somewhere else, whether it's in another sector of the, the economy here in Ireland, or whether it's something happening over the horizon in somewhere in Europe or in North America. All right. Well, people look, are more affected by things that are happening outside the country. I totally agree with you, and thank you for as always more. Uh, for your economic contributions. We really welcome them here on this programme and down to business. And we're wishing you every wellness and success for 2023. And to you. Down to Business with Bobby Kerr. Brought to you by Bank of Ireland. Saturday morning at 11 on News Talk.